This week, for the last episode of our season, we're bringing you some light in the darkness on this Keeping Faith holiday special. We're catching up with Kate Verneberg, Luke LaRock, and Dave Fodiatis from episodes past to hear what's bringing them joy, connection, and yes, even faith in this holiday season like no other. And it's really okay to not be okay right now. Like if there was ever a year that you got to say, I'm not okay, this is it. Bringing light to the dark periods and to survive the winter, I I really feel connected to my own ancestry and to my current faith practice. The holidays have a tendency to just bring out a lot that's kind of under the surface. And so there's an option to either confront some of that during that period or just know that like, okay, that action maybe isn't really about what the turkey looks like. Together, Kate, Luke, and Dave reflect on memories of holidays growing up, the traditions that meant the most to them, and how they're updating them to resonate with their lives now. They share the need for us to lean into peacemaking as we connect with family and friends, and that taking care of yourself is a key part of being able to do that work and they share the practices they use to help them stay spiritually connected this time of year and offer blessings for each of us this holiday season. Because yes, it's still possible to find meaning, even if this season looks different. I'm Marin Smith, and you're listening to Keeping Faith. Faith is located on Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabek territory in Hamilton, Ontario. And Kate Verneberg, Luke Larock, and Dave Fodiatis spoke to us from Anishinaabek, Haudenosaunee, Ojibwa Chippewa, Huron Wendat, Mohawk, and Metis territory from their homes across Turtle Island. Curious about whose land you're on? Visit keepingfaithpod.com slash about for a list of Indigenous mapping resources, or get in touch with your local Native Center or Council. So as we kind of head into the holiday season, and we head into a holiday season where this year things are probably going to look really different than they have in previous years, I just want to ask each of you to begin with, what are you looking forward to? this season and what is in the back of your brain or in the pit of your stomach giving you a little bit of pause or uh, a little bit of stress or some cause for concern. So why don't we start with you, Kate? What are you feeling joy for this season and what are you concerned about this season? Yeah, so this is the first season, the first holiday season that we will celebrate in our own apartment. We've always gone back to the Ottawa Gatineau region where my family and my husband's family live. We flip-flop spending Christmas Day with each family. And it was my mother-in-law's turn to have us for Christmas Day. And we looked at the projection of the pandemic between Toronto and Ottawa. And we started thinking, 
maybe it makes more sense if actually she comes to us because she's just one person. She has a car with snow tires. <laughs> and then <laughs> we, we get to be the founders of the feast um, because, you know, we're, we're in our thirties now and it would be nice to be able to offer those holiday traditions to our parents instead of just receiving them. So I'm really looking forward to being the founder of the feast. Uh, I have made a fruitcake that I actually had to remake yesterday because the first one was just too wet. It was not cooked. <laughs> um, I've made a Christmas pudding that's in the freezer waiting for the day. And I'm, I'm really thinking about how we can incorporate all of the traditions, like in terms of food. Like I don't know if I'm going to be able to accomplish it all. And I'm going to one of my goals for December is to have a chill December. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, growing up, my dad's family is German and they celebrate on Christmas Eve and have a very distinct and different food tradition from my mom's family. Um, and we haven't celebrated German style since my grandmother died when I was 15. And so I'm really excited to have like a Vie de Noël, which would incorporate um, some of my husband's French-Canadian traditions. So my plan right now is to make a tourtière and to have like pickled herring and uh, like a big like a spread and have all the cookies, all the English style cookies that, from my mom's family and and just celebrate everything that's important to both of us because now we can do it all. <laughs> yeah. And what is in or amongst all the feasting? Is there anything that is bringing you concern or pause as you head into this season? Well, I am worried about how to mix households. You know, my parents and, and my husband's mom is, are all in their 70s. And we explained, like, we're obviously going to be isolating. And we have asked her to isolate as well before she comes to see us. Um, and currently, the plan is to go up to Ottawa to see my family for the, the end of Christmas sort of epiphany, which is sort of 12 to 14 days after Christmas. So that would be another sort of period of, of isolation for us, which might make that visit possible. But the caseload... It might that not might still might not be a responsible choice to make, um, so I'm I'm worried about keeping everybody healthy and and making responsible choices while also not being too isolated from people that we haven't seen this year really. Uh, that gives me pause. Um, also, this is maybe like silly, but is Christmas going to be magic if it's in my Toronto apartment? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like, I love this season. And we also, like, we've often, we don't, like, celebrate Hanukkah. My husband has some Jewish heritage. But, like, we mark it. You know, like, we I, we make uh, latkes. Um, and we just, like, acknowledge that it's Hanukkah. And that's never felt weird. Or, you know, like, if we can celebrate that, why can't we celebrate Christmas? So that's sort of in the back of my mind of, like, is it is it going to be okay? Or is it just going to be, like, another Friday with better food? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The like the unknown of when you you change the 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 way that things are normally done and and is it all going to go off? For sure, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Luke, how about you? What um what are you looking forward to this holiday season and what's bringing you pause or concern? Yeah, uh so <laughs> we have a 7-year-old at home and so we've been listening to a lot of Frozen 2 lately and I just feel like the song Into the Unknown has been on repeat not only like on our Disney playlist, but in my heart, because it just feels like there's a lot of unknowns right now. So we, my wife and I, uh, two weeks ago, set a deadline of December 1st about, so tomorrow as we're recording this about 
deciding what we would do for Christmas. Mm-hmm. We've obviously been in isolation up in Muskoka since March. It has been super convenient. I mean, we have very few cases up here. So the feeling up here is very different compared to bigger city centers, Ottawa, Toronto, Hamilton, Windsor. And uh, my wife's family is from Windsor. And so we were thinking after all of this crazy year, we would head down to Windsor for three weeks. We would take our daughter out of school for the last week of school and then do the whole two-week Christmas holiday there. And I think both of us, although we're technically waiting till tomorrow to say it, we both kind of like looked at each other and like started talking about how that's not happening. So very much like Kate, we run on a three-year cycle where we do one year with my parents, one year with my wife's parents, and then the third year is like our choice. And we kind of reserve that in case there's like a new nephew or niece on one side or the other. And, and that always is like Christmas Day. But I, I can't actually think about a Christmas day that hasn't been rushed. Mm. And this will be a Christmas day that isn't rushed because my wife leads worship at our church. We always have a Christmas Eve service. It's like a non-negotiable at our church. Our pastor came in five years ago and didn't do a Christmas Eve service the first year. And there wasn't like a revolt. Everybody loves him, but everyone's kind of like, does he not get it? Like what? To the point where this year we're having a Christmas Eve service and we're not having a Sunday morning service on the 27th. Like it's it's just that thing where it's like, you know what, we're going to do this thing that's very special. Kind of, Kate, what you were talking about, like that magicalness. Christmas Eve service does that for a lot of people. But it'll be strange because usually there's a bunch of kids at the church because grandparents are being visited. And this year it's just going to be the grandparents. Uh, so I'm, I'm all in that. I'm excited for a quiet Christmas day. We usually do the Christmas Eve service. We might like wake up on Christmas morning at home, be like, yo, it's Christmas, get in the car. And then we drive five and a half hours to make it to Christmas dinner in Windsor with a quick stop to drop off presents in Toronto. And so I'm, I'm kind of excited this year for that. Uh, just to have like a quiet, we're not going anywhere Christmas. Uh, yeah. And is there anything in all of that that is giving you pause or concern as you're negotiating these changes with your kids? Yeah, so our, our daughter knows it's coming, and she's a little bit heartbroken. Like, I think she's, like, counting down, like, the lack of Christmas cookies that are about to happen because Nana makes some pretty boss Christmas cookies, and no matter what we do, they will never be Nana's Christmas cookies. Um, you know, my my parents and my in-laws spoil us rotten. You know, speaking of feasting, Kate, I feel like I need to fast before I ever go to Windsor or to Toronto for Christmas because it's just, like, in preparation for the gluttony that will occur, right? And there is something special, I think, in a spiritual sense about feasting and fasting. Those things, it's like balance to the force, Jedi or Sith, right? Like you feast and you fast. So I think there's going to be, there's going to be like a, a relationship fast as well to Christmas this year, where there's so many things that we think about, like what has been lost because of COVID. And so there's that. Definitely like a half hour before we got on, I was asking Google whether it was ethically or morally irresponsible to have my parents up for Christmas if they isolate for a week beforehand. You know, my dad volunteers at a food bank, but I kind of want them here for Christmas. And then, so there's just so many questions that we don't know the answers to going back to that into the unknown. And I think that's something that's got me on edge. It's just, I'm a controlled person. I like to know what's happening. And I have no way of knowing whether caseloads are going up or down. I can guess they're going up, but I don't know. Yeah, it comes down to like risk assessment <laughs> in all, in so many ways. And everybody has different values, what they think is important or what kind of risk they're comfortable with. And that can be hard to navigate for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, I, I would, This is a question I would ask all of you at some point, but I'm a very transparent person. Like I feel like writing to all my neighbors and saying, if my parents were to come up for Christmas, how would that make you feel? Like, like a democratic decision from the neighborhood. And Alyssa's like, just do it. If you're going to do it, just do it. 
So I don't know if you all, I would love to hear your input on that at some point, because I'm wrestling with how transparent are we? We're all being sneaky about having people over, but we're all not being sneaky. So I'm wrestling with that. That's been hard. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, how about you? What are you looking forward to for our holiday season, actually? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And what's bringing you concern? So this will be the first holiday season that you and I have spent in a home. You know, we just recently moved earlier this year. And so I am really looking forward to being able to decorate a Christmas tree in our own house and have decorations and, you know, bring some festiveness into our home because, you know, similar to Kate, what you were saying is we've, we've always left. We've always gone and spent holiday seasons with our families, whether that's been my family in Buffalo in the U.S. or, or visiting Marin's parents in, in Guelph and usually some combination of the two. And so I'm really looking forward to having a space of a time that we can create our own celebration with our own start of our own, I don't want to say traditions, but have that space where it can recreate some of that magic of, you know, I used to love this holiday season as a kid and really be able to start to do that for the really for the first time because we've just never lived in a place where that that really felt possible before. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I think similar to what you both have said, some of the trepidations are, are really around navigating this particular season in a pandemic. Like I, we don't actually even know, are we going to have Marin's family come down and spend some time with us? They don't live that far away, but I don't think we've really fully landed on what we think is the right choice for that. And we also don't really know where they are at with that. I, I would say that that choice is, is solved for us with the family in Buffalo, given the border is closed and has been for a long time, that we won't be going down there and vice versa. Um, but, you know, that also means we might be spending the holiday season just the two of us, which is, is lovely on one hand, but it's also, you know, you don't get to share it quite in the same way if uh, if you're not with with other people. So I'm kind of excited on one hand for that, but then also weighing the, the reality of it also might work out for the best for this year that we, we don't see people. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear each of you talk about how so much of like this season of life that we're in is navigating how to make holidays your own and how to make traditions your own, taking some ownership over that. And I think that that is really where so many people in our our demographic are as well. But before we look too far into the future with that, I'm curious then for each of you, what was the holiday season like for you growing up? And what were the joys that you experienced? Because all of you expressed, you know, a love for this season. But were there also challenges or things that you struggled with as a young person growing up in the holidays in your families? And, you know, Luke, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I I really enjoyed the holidays growing up. It, it was very meaningful. I think that it was something that my mom in particular... Uh, I got a WhatsApp text from her the other day and she was dressed in like some weird Christmas elf cleaning costume because she had to clean the house before she decorated the house. And it's like a week long process for her to get the house ready. Um, and if you've met my mom, that doesn't surprise anyone. She's the neatest of neat freaks I've ever met. So I, I think that, you know, there is like my parents worked really hard to maintain the specialness and the the magic of Christmas. I still to this day cannot figure out where they hid the Christmas presents at our house. 
my brothers and I would check closets and we would check spare rooms and things where we knew that they would be. And we just, I, I, and they'll never say, right. Like I'm convinced that my dad has a cellar somewhere that he has never told us about that has like really good wine and Christmas presents still hiding there. Um, so that is something that I've really inherited and I love it. I think that it also, that comes with goods and bads. You know, there is a, a certainly a consumerist aspect to Christmas that as I grow up, I become more and more aware of. And we try to make sure that as a family now with two kids at home, uh, I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of years, actually, about generational blessing and generational sin and how, you know, you can pass on blessings to your kids and resources and in all sorts of ways, but you can also pass on difficulties to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think about the things, the consumerism things that come down at this time of year and how I've inherited some of that as well. And it's well-meaning. It wasn't, you know, intentionally wrong or anything like that. But some of that I have to be very aware of these days. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's tough. And I, I wonder with you, I'm curious with having kids and grandparents, I know that sometimes it can be hard to moderate the like gift giving to kids. So how do you like navigate that with your, your wife? Yeah. So we, I guess, uh, to go back a little bit, my mom has risen out of a a different tax bracket, I guess is the nice way to say it, than I grew up in. My my grandfather died when my mom was 16, and my grandmother was a secretary. It was a time and an age when she didn't actually have her name on any of the bank accounts. Like, it was just men had their name on the bank accounts and women didn't. And so if it wasn't for the lawyer that my grandmother was secretary for, they would have just been t- destitute. Like, he lent the money for a few months, is my understanding of the story, until they could figure out the bank situation. And so it was definitely not simple for my mom. And I sometimes see that she gives generously both of her time and her energy, but also physically with gifts as a response to her. Um, I really hesitate to say poverty. And yet sometimes I hear the stories. I'm like, no, that, that is like, you can call that poverty. And so she, she grew out of this poverty. And so now we've got a grandmother who loves to give. And I've got kids who I'm trying to teach for lack of a better term, Jesus is the reason for the season, you know, which is something my mom says a lot. And I can't believe I've just repeated it. Uh, so this year, you know, Alyssa and I said, we're not going to do gifts for each other. We think we've talked to my mom into not giving as many gifts. Like it was, when I talk about presents at Christmas, it was like a pile. It was a pile. And so now, you know, we, Alyssa and I sit down with a very strict budget and we say, this is the limit for Christmas gifts. And we've got, you know, at this point, like 10 or 12 nephews and nieces on different sides we have to account for and all that. And we check in with the parents very intentionally, what would be helpful for us to give, for some of the really young ones, they're like, they don't need anything. And we say, great, here's a little gift towards their RESP then, right? Like, it's very practical. We're trying to bridge this gap between my mother who loves to give and my kids who love to receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story I often tell is about my daughter once. My mom drove up from Toronto a couple of years ago with my dad and got to the front door. My daughter said, oh, what did you bring us when she opened the front door? And my mom looked at me and I was like, ah, I've got her now. She gets it. Like, she understands that she gives too much too often. And it has gotten, my, to my mother's credit, has been much better. But it's this year is going to be interesting, especially because my mom loves to give and see the gift received. And now she can't, maybe. We don't know yet. Yeah, you're, it's true. Because that, that is the part about gift giving, is it is meaningful for the giver. And how do you balance that, like you said, while trying to teach your kids these values or even in your own family? Yeah, that's definitely challenging. Kate, how about you? You may you talk to us a little bit about all the traditions you were raised in. So what was the season like for you growing up? For many years, we 
I headed down to the Niagara region because both sets of my grandparents lived there. And in some ways it was absolutely ideal because as I said, the German side of the family really celebrated on Christmas Eve. That was their big thing. And everyone would get together, my cousins, my uncles and aunts at my grandparents' house. Um, and the other side of my family, Christmas day was really much more important. Mm -hmm. And so um, we would head down and <laughs> packed in, in the car. We had a couple of Toyota Corollas over the years and I remember the feeling of uh, my sister and I being in the back seat and just like all of the suitcases and the presents, like we were just like packed in. It was a very secure feeling as we traveled down the highway in the dark. Um, and I loved that, that there wasn't any conflict between, um, you know, we, 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 my parents didn't have to do what we have to do, which is flip flop mm -hmm. the, the important day. But I think that also was kind of stressful for them because they were constantly on the move and trying to negotiate different cultural and religious celebrations. Like my mother is a very religious Catholic and traditionally on Christmas Eve, you don't eat meat. That's part of their religious observance. And my grandparents were Protestants, Lutherans, and not very observant. It was really much more cultural for them. And they would serve like a huge spread of everything. And my mom would be like, you know, it's not that important. Eat the meat. But I, it bothered her, you know. And so now that once we stopped celebrating in a German style, there's no meat on Christmas Eve, which is fine, uh, you know. But she kind of reasserted that when we started celebrating Christmas again in our own house in Ottawa. Um, so for most of my childhood Christmas was a really exciting time where all of my aunts and uncles on both sides were in two different houses and we were just bouncing in between them wearing party dresses. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved it. We absolutely loved it. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's stressful to have to be constantly traveling and constantly torn between traditions and, and two, two different things. I'm curious, too, because I know you were a choir kid. Was that something that you had to – did you have duties around Christmas? Did that take up a lot of your time, too? No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I sang in the school board choir. So we had our Christmas concert around the time that school ended. And I never – I never sang in a dedicated church choir until I was an adult, and I've never sung Christmas in my own parish uh, because I was always in Ottawa. So that's something that's actually also exciting about this year is that even through the pandemic, our choir meets virtually online, mm. still on our Thursday night regular rehearsal time, and we rehearse the pieces alone together uh, on mute to a backing track that our choir director has created. Uh, and so for the first time, I will get to sing Christmas with with our church. Um, and uh, of course, we'll all be through like pre-recorded and pre-mixed videos that Dan puts together because he's amazing at this. Um, but that that's going to be a new experience. And something else that's going to be new is that for the first time in my life, I will be the only person who wants to go to church on Christmas in, in mm. my space. And I'm, I'm kind of... I feel a bit weird about that, you know, like I completely respect my, my husband, my mother-in-law's desire to, to not and to do their own thing and to follow their traditions. Um, but I've always kind of, I've always had like my own family there who, for whom going to church is a really important tradition. They do it every week. <laughs> yeah. It's so special then that you get to participate in that singing yourself this year in a way that you haven't before. That's, that's really cool. Mm. How about you, Dave? What were the holidays like for you growing up? And what do you have fond memories of? And, and were there any challenges in that as well for you? 
So holidays growing up for me were always a really exciting time. I, I, I have a fairly large family and nuclear family. So there's me and four other siblings of mine. So between my parents, we were we were seven just amongst ourselves. And I think because we were a large family and we would never travel anywhere over the holidays, everybody would come to see us. And sometimes that would mean we would have some out-of-town relatives. But even if we didn't, we would always have just a big group from my own family. There was always some friends around. There was my grandparents. And, and so it was just a big, giant celebration, which as a kid, I absolutely loved. And I, I don't think that I realized uh, for many years growing up, like how much goes into putting on a big giant gathering for, you know, 15 or so people. That I've, um, so it's, you know, it was always a ton of fun, but it, it also, I think, had kind of a stress underlining that too, particularly with my mom, but, but I think other members in the family as well, where holidays could sometimes bring out, you know, I think the stress that people might be, be carrying in. So I always loved it as a kid, but then as I sort of got a little bit older, started to see that it wasn't always just a, a simple, joyful time for everybody either. And it became a little bit more more complex. And then as sort of my own family evolved and changed, particularly as you know, my parents got divorced at some point as I was a teenager. And so then then family holiday season took on a whole nother dynamic as you know I grew up, my other siblings were older, my parents were in different households. And so then we started really moving around and it was still always a lot of fun, but holidays became a lot about so many different things to see, spend time with different people at different times and try to cram a lot of this into what is a really busy period of a few days. So kind of over the, I don't know, the decade or so of, you know, Marin and I changing and, and evolving as we've moved and family has moved, the holiday traditions have also grown and evolved as we've tried to, I think, you know, spend quality time with everybody, but also make it an enjoyable time for, for as many people as possible when everybody can't always do and be in the same place at the same time. And, and even if they could, that isn't always the best for everybody. So how have we got recreated traditions uh, that has really evolved a lot from, from what the holidays were like for me as a kid? Yeah. And did you find ever when you were a kid, you, you know, when you said you started to get older that you noticed that it was like a lot of work. Did you, were you having to do work? Was that how you noticed it? Or what tipped you off to the fact that this wasn't kind of like the relaxing holiday for everyone? I think some of the work, I would do a little bit of work, but I probably would would think it was a very minimal amount of work looking back on it. Like I might help make a dish or two, but I think it was more the the observation that not everybody loves spending so much time cooking and preparing large meals or doing lots of extended Christmas shopping. That that some people love that and other people really don't. So I think I became aware of that 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 really wasn't my mom's jam. Like she she loved Christmas for the spiritual meaning of what Christmas represented. She really did not like the consumerism and the big family gathering of what Christmas culturally has become. And yet most of the rest of my family is at that time, Christmas was not a spiritual holiday at all. Mm -hmm. It was a hundred percent a cultural celebration. And so I think that those two kind of worlds became a real competing interest for my mom. And then as I started to observe that, like, if she was really stressed, well, then we would all get really stressed. <laughs> and, then, and then it started to just kind of roll out from there. And so it was, it was still always a, a really joyful time, but it could definitely 
see that underlining level of stress kind of was there. And, and then, you know, as that my family unit changed, started to see that, you know, certain members of my family, you know, a couple of my siblings absolutely love it and love the traditions that we created going back to when we were children and, you know, the amount of time that you would kind of create to make Christmas cookies. Like some people love, absolutely love the process of being able to bake for two weeks straight. And for other people, it's like, why I, I, you know, it's a hard, it's hard to get you to like bring one thing to the, to the meal. <laughs> and so I think, I think it just kind of picked up over the years, you know, how everybody kind of responds differently to what, wh- what does the season really mean and what is it about and how far do you go? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. And I mean, I, this is a question for all of you, but I'll, I'll put this to Dave first. So, so coming out of that, how has that sort of manifested itself for you in the way that you seek to create your holiday season now? Is there something that, you know, coming from the traditions that you grew up in that you feel is really important to you now as you head into the holiday season? That something, maybe it was a tradition from your past, but maybe it's something that you now and reflecting on that feel is really important for you to do and bring to your celebrations. Is there something like that for you? Mm. I think the biggest thing that has it's evolved over time in part because it has had to with the way that my family and well, and Marin as you know, the 10 plus years that we've now been together, like our family has evolved with those traditions is it changes Christmas, the holiday season from being about Christmas and being about, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas day to really about a celebration of a season, mm-hmm. which I love. And I, and I actually think that that was something that was there from the beginning as a child growing up that I think sometimes gets lost in the busyness and the excitement of leading up to a big day or two around holiday gatherings. And to really kind of extend this into, you know, from the Christian calendar, the beginning of Advent through to Epiphany and making what that celebration of that season is about then can happen over multiple multiple days and multiple different times. And you can really experience the joy of the season then with different people and different traditions not all compressed into one or two days around December 24th and 25th. And I have loved that as creating our own traditions because I felt like it's allowed for a lot of space mm. and a lot of space to be joyful with, you know, a, a particular celebration, but also being able to kind of reflect on the whole season and say, you know, isn't it lovely to just take a day where it's just two people staring at a Christmas tree with Christmas music in the background and having a warm drink and that is just as much a part of this season as opening gifts on Christmas morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say for my two cents that you've really been kind of very instrumental in our lives of like looking for those simple moments to celebrate the holiday joy. And that's that's brought a lot of joy to our lives, too. How about you, Kate, looking back on where where you came from and what the holiday season was like for you? Is there a thing that's really important to you that's come out of that that you either carry forward or that you've put into your life as a part of your holiday traditions? I think our celebrations have grown and changed and deepened over the years. Something that was important to us growing up and that I continue to emphasize is the practice of Advent, um, which began yesterday that first season. So it's the season of preparation. It's a season of meditation and reflection. And it it really isn't the glitter, glitzy 
holly jolly part of Christmas in our faith tradition, <laughs> uh, or in my faith tradition, I should say. Um, it, it is a time to, to really kind of check in and deepen your spiritual practices. And it's something that I hold very dear to my heart. I always have an Advent wreath of some kind in my home, and we had one at home growing up too. Sometimes it's just four candles on a table, and sometimes it's actually a proper wheel uh, made of some kind of pine. And this is important to me, both as a spiritual practice, to light one candle a week, growing every week for a month. Um, But also it's very deeply cultural, because the tradition of bringing the evergreens into your home is very ancient. And it's from the German peoples, at least how we celebrate it kind of currently here. And specifically within the sort of Saxon region, which my dad was born in, and my grandmother really identified as a Saxon person. in terms of like an ethnicity. Um, and so that practice is even older than our Christian practice. And so bringing light to the dark periods and to survive the winter, I, I really feel connected to my own ancestry and to my current faith practice. And so what I did yesterday was uh, I'd already set up my advent wreath. I built it with some pine branches I bought and I built swags and I put the swags up around my apartment, but I didn't put any like balls or glitter on them because it's still Advent. We're still in this period of reflection and getting ready for something to come. So I'm, I'm celebrating the living trees and life in its many forms. And I really like to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. I am not someone who believes, and neither were my parents, um, that, you know, we don't take the tree down on St. Stephen's Day, which is Boxing Day, right? We celebrate all 12 days. Um, And I do that too. I refuse to take my tree down until the 7th of January. Uh, But something that's changed in our practice is... As I said, we mark Hanukkah. I wouldn't say we celebrated it, but that usually intersects with Advent. And growing up, my mom uh, was very hardcore. She refused to put up a single Christmas decoration until like the 24th of December. Then she would would start because she really wanted, um, as a couple other people have expressed too, to honor uh, the the non-consumerism, the non, like it, it wasn't about coca-cola santa claus there was a deeper meaning for the season we're celebrating (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so she wanted to imprint that on us but it drove me crazy because all of our friends everyone else had their stuff up november 1st and so when i first moved out i was like december 1st i'm putting up all my christmas ornaments in my little apartment i love it um but now i i do that a little bit less because i want to be able to hold some space for whatever our hanukkah marking might look like Uh, and Mm -hmm. like ben is very generous he always says you hold kind of too much space for me it's it's fine do what you want but I don't want to rush ahead Mm. I I don't know I've clocked this in myself I'm like I'm becoming my own mother (laughs) I don't want to rush ahead and I want to have all of those times and to honor them all yeah and then to really enjoy Christmas when it's time yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And you've talked about so much of how you're growing up was a melding of traditions. And so it makes total sense that you're like, adding another one of these like ancient practices to the mix, too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really want to echo some of that. Because one of the things that I have absolutely loved over the last few years has been, um, you know, part of my own faith and spiritual journey over the last couple of years has led us to Unitarianism. And and in, in Unitarianism, recognizing that like Christmas celebration was all around Yule and Yule time, and that that was a real thing for hundreds of years. And then you realize like, the, well, that's actually a tradition that builds off of much, much older uh, traditions around the celebration of solstice 
and things that have really started to resonate with Marin and I, but also there's cultural heritage in that. And so I've, I've, I've learned that over the last few years that this tradition that I, as a child, was, was very, very much a Christian-based spiritual tradition around Christmas, but then also the consumerism and cultural understanding that we have of Christmas in you know, North America to kind of blend this into an ancient tradition that's been around for thousands and thousands of years that also really resonates and that those things can coexist at the same time. And it's been a really lovely new addition to this whole season that's also not meant that I've had to kind of, it's not been one or the other. It's that both of these can exist and we can figure out how they come together. And in fact, that makes both of them almost better, at least to to my experience. Mm-hmm. There is something really beautiful about the light and the darkness that you were talking about, Kate. I was noticing earlier this season how quickly people transitioned from Halloween to Christmas. And I think there's been something special about this year where everybody's okay with that. Like in the past, you'd get a couple of tis tisks, like it's a little bit early you know, Christmas is really pushing the the boundaries here. We got to, you know, let's, let's just leave it at, at one month. We can do one month. Like, you know, one out of every 12 days we live can be Christmas. But this year, I think with COVID and, and everything, you know, my kids will go for a ride and it gets dark up here at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And so, you know, they'll go for a ride in their pajamas around the neighborhood and look at the Christmas lights. And that's actually quite important. And I really love the idea of, of that light in the darkness, which I think in a lot of faith traditions, I think you think about Hanukkah, Christmas, certainly, you know, Jesus being a light in a darkness, in a dark world. It's really, it's extra special this year. And that's something that I've really marked is that it's just so beautiful to see that there was this, like, no one talked about it, but everyone's decided we're just going to put up a few extra Christmas lights and we're going to probably leave them on a little bit longer. Like, like you said, I'm not going to take down my tree on December 26th, but you know, my Christmas lights, I often, I don't want to take them down in the middle of a Muskoka winter, but I'll like take the timer out so they don't turn on. But this, like, let's see if we can ride this into March, you know, like, let's see what we can get out of this. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I think that's really interesting, Luke, that you brought that up, because right before we had this conversation tonight, Dave and I were walking around our neighborhood and we've been noticing we've been tracking over the last couple of weeks, like the houses that are like putting lights out. And I mean, we haven't lived in this neighborhood before, but even just over this past week, we've noticed there's been like a massive uptick and it feels like people need it this season. It feels like we're all looking for something that is going to lift our spirits and that that's an important thing for us to mark this year. Is there is there anything else, Luke, that you want to add about what you have brought into your life in terms of either traditions that you carry forward from your family or stuff that you've inserted that feels important to you now? I think that, I think that we have to be very careful with tradition because tradition requires intentionality. I think I have assumed in the past that tradition will just happen. And, and the perfect story happened this Sunday. We cut down a Christmas tree on Saturday. Uh, we cut it down on Saturday, let it dry out a little bit, put it in the in the stand, and we were decorating on Sunday. And Alyssa has very clear family traditions about how the Christmas tree goes up. And I, I was horrified. I was in the kitchen doing something. I heard her say, oh, just put the star on. I was like, no, the star goes on last. Like, you can't the Christmas. Like, <laughs> And she's like, what? what are you talking about? I was like, we do this every year. The star has to be last. Like, have you not seen the Grinch stole Christmas? Like, come on. You know, this like, it's just, and it's so funny. And I realized I'm going to have to be very clear in fighting for the traditions that are important to me. And like, whatever the star, right? So, but so I said, no, the star has to be last. Let's not mess with this. Um, and so there's things, and I, for me, it has been very special watching. I mean, we come from the same faith tradition. We're both Protestant evangelical Christians. So 
there isn't a, a conflict in the sense of like multi-faith traditions running into each other and having to do that negotiation. But our family traditions certainly mean something. Yeah, for sure. curious then, Luke, you brought up this idea of different traditions melding and people disagreeing on how to holiday. And I think that this is an issue that so many people deal with over the holiday season. The holiday season puts us into contact sometimes with people that we don't often see at other times of the year. It also puts us into intense contact with each other. Um, there can be like a lot of pressure and focus on certain moments and and people have things that they really hold on to to be a certain way or to be perfect. So for you in your family and, and in your life, how do you navigate, you know, the conflict that can arise at this time of year? I'm a I'm a peacemaker at heart. I really don't like, and it comes from my people pleasing nature. I like it when people are happy. And so I will work very hard uh, to say the right thing and, and, or not say something, you know, as I sense the situation. And I always am upset with myself if I put my foot in it by maybe opening a can of worms that I, I didn't want to open. And so certainly at this time of year, I'm a little bit more cautious about how I express myself. I think that, um, yeah. <laughs> My parents and I, I would say, are a little bit more politically liberal than some other family members that I have. And so uh, I had to remind my dad recently when Joe Biden was announced as the winner a couple of Saturdays after the election, he kind of put his hands up in the air in victory. And I was like, I'd just like to remind you that some of the people you're around right now are not happy about this. He's like, oh, oh, right. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, it's it's that peacemaking attitude. I think if, if we all approach the holiday season with that peacemaking attitude, I think we can get through it okay. It's not going to be perfect. And sometimes you have to stand up for things that aren't right. And there have definitely been times where I've thrown the, the odd text message with a well-written article someone's way later on to be like, hey, would you consider reading this and talking with me about it when you're ready? But in the moment, I certainly choose peace over correctness at the holidays. Uh, and I find that it just leads to less conflict and more joy. Can you describe a little bit more of what peace means to you or what peacemaking looks like? Because that can have a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people, depending on what they're looking at. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because sometimes peace, I mean, this is what, I mean, <laughs> this is something people sometimes go to war for peace. Right. And so for me, when I talk about peace, especially with the holiday season, it often means people getting along. <laughs> and specifically within the context of a holiday tradition where we're all sitting down at a, a Christmas dinner, you know, there's sometimes topics that are just left off the table, <laughs> uh, metaphorically speaking. Uh, ironically, at holidays is when I'm most likely to eat meat because people forget that I'm a vegetarian. And I choose just to eat it because it makes them feel terrible when they realize like, like, oh, you haven't. Oh, you're a vegetarian. I forgot. And then I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, I'll just have more mashed yam because then they trip over themselves. And so sometimes I say, well, if I just eat a little bit of turkey, the turkey's already cooked and dead. So it's not like I'm helping the environment any better (laughs) by not. So in in a peace sense, I think that for me, it's it's choosing to lower myself below someone else in order to make the situation go more smoothly in that moment. 
ironically, it can lead to conflict later, but in the moment, it leads to more joy. Yeah. And I'm hearing a little bit as well of like letting little things go in the sense of like not letting the the micro issues blow out of proportion a bit if if you can choose your battles, so to speak, in a way. Yeah. And I, I think that it's, you know, the, in, in general, our society, I think we talked about this on the episode I recorded with you, that there's there's so much desire to be right. And sometimes we can be right and still burn the bridge and hurt someone. And sometimes rightness doesn't equal victory. And I, I think that that is something that we need to bear in mind when we're with other people who often hold different views than us, is that sometimes it's better to be quiet and silent and let that silence speak without having to be right. And if I can't, then I need to re-examine what I'm wrestling with internally, right? I think it could go back to anger or any kind sorts of things that I could be wrestling with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dave, how about you? How you talked about, you know, really big family gatherings and you talked about, you know, the stress that that sometimes put on people. So for you in your life, how do you navigate conflict at the holiday season? And and how has that made you think about uh, how you approach it as an adult too? So I full disclaimer here, I, I don't think that I have fully figured this one out yet. I think it's it's definitely a it's definitely an evolving work in progress and something that I've I, I've learned a lot over, over the years. And maybe I'll start with like a, a story. You know, when I was a kid, I somehow or other picked up that the holidays were a stressful time and I never understood it. And I remember always being like, Why why is Christmas so stressful for people? Like this is this is the most fun time of the year. I don't, I don't quite get it. And then fast forward a couple of years later after my parents had separated and I think it was one of the first, the first holiday seasons where we were spending it with my now stepmom, but at the time would have been my, my very new stepmom and, and her daughter. And I think I was a teenager at the time and very much in my, well, this is our family tradition of what we've always done. And my siblings and I always have run like a gift exchange. And I was adamant about not expanding that gift exchange to my now stepsister and did not realize why that was a problem. <laughs> and so, so I recall, I recall the conversation that I had with my now stepmom being like, so a year ago when I was saying, I don't get why the holidays are stressful. And then I'm reflecting on what just happened. I'm like, I, I see why this is a little bit more complicated. <laughs> and I say that story because it's, you know, my, my stepsister and I now are, you know, this is long history and, and, and so forth. But it's, I think that the holidays always bring out some underlying things that everybody is coming into with whatever's been going on in their lives that where they currently are. And sometimes that's about interpersonal relationships. It might be about, you know, just a particularly stressful time that that person is going through. But the holidays have a tendency to just bring out a lot that's kind of under the surface. And so there's an option to either confront some of that during that period or just know that like, okay, that action maybe isn't really about what the turkey looks like. It might be about something else. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to either just ignore that one and move on or, you know, Maybe it's you pull somebody aside and, and you ask about it, but it's always led to those sort of like interactions that just kind of make you have to be a lot more aware about, um, yeah, like just the interpersonal that reactions that we have during this time. Is it about the celebration? Is it about the season? Or is it about something else entirely? And then you kind of make a choice about how do you want to, how do you want to respond? 
don't know if that's answering that question exactly. <laughs> no, no, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's interesting what you're saying is that we we come to the holidays as our whole selves. And so we can't just put aside all the stuff that's happening around us when we show up at that place. But but you're talking about bringing an awareness to that, being mindful, basically, that that is also what's happening for other people, too. Is, yeah, that, is that fair? That's, that's a better, yeah, that's a really good way of describing it. And I would definitely say that for me personally, that has been a long journey to get to that place of awareness. And that I think that, you know, myself and, and others, certainly in my family, have probably gone through different versions of holiday expressions that you know maybe we're not being quite as aware of all that was coming in. And so as a result of trying to navigate a really busy, a really busy and, and fun time, but also there can be a tendency in, and this isn't just my, my own family, but of that you are supposed to have a good time now. Mm. That this holiday season is supposed to be so much fun, full of joy. And if you're not having fun, what's wrong with you? And sometimes that's just not where you are in this particular time of year. And that I've learned to be like, you know what, that's okay too. But it it certainly doesn't always feel like it's okay when you're living through that moment. Yeah, I think that's that's really true to to also recognize that the holiday season is difficult for some people and some people feel deep loss at this time of year and some people feel you know the various holes that we all have in our lives deeply and that that's really an important important thing to recognize in others and and also what you're saying is recognize when that is happening in yourself and to not try to gloss over that, to let that also be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Kate? I mean, you've talked to us a lot about blending different traditions as well. So what what's your experience been of conflict and how have you learned to navigate it? Um, you know, I don't have a lot of memories of Christmases that involved a great deal of conflict, even though I know they were stressful for a lot of the other founders of the feast that I celebrate with. Um I think everyone really does make a lot of genuine effort to 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 be joyful and and to to get along. Um, I, I know some Christmases come to mind where just like hot topics of the day come up, and then you're in like your big mixed family group, and someone says something that they're working through that they're not quite sure of that may be like politically incorrect, and then everyone's kind of looking at each other, going. How do we hold this? How do we respect this person who we think has said something like that what might be offensive if the subject of, of that conversation was in the room with us? How do we, you know, not betray our values, but also not reject them as people mm-hmm. without also destroying this family feast? So I've certainly been in those rooms and had those conversations. And, you know, I, I remember one season, someone was really struggling in the family circle with like trans issues. And in my family, that's something that wouldn't even be talked about. This was in my husband's family. You know, like people might have all the same questions and thoughts and need to work through them, but no one would ever say anything. That would be something you would like research on your own. And then a new opinion might come out that it would just be casually dropped in conversation. Um, but this person was really like, like working it out in real time in a kind of semi-public setting. Like it was a large family gathering with some like friends of the family. And Later with a friend, I said, you know, I actually kind of admire this person for having done that because they were being very honest about where they were. And I was also really proud of us as a family because I know most of us had a different opinion from the one that they were at that time expressing, but we didn't shame them 
And we also didn't betray our own kind of perspective. Uh, we didn't like collude with them behind closed doors, as it were. Um, I thought that was a really kind of great example of where so, you, you know you might be like clenching your teeth and like gripping the sides of your chair, being like, oh, I can't believe I'm listening to this. But you're keeping it together. It's it all exists in a tension that was okay. Yeah, it's interesting that um, I think I, I echoed in all of you is the idea of patience, you know, and really like cultivating patience for other people and that the holidays gives us a unique opportunity to maybe do that in a focused way because we are also there to celebrate. We are also there with another focus. It's not just like our everyday lives. So I don't know if you, you want to say anything more about that, Kate, because that's that's a little bit of what I'm hearing in your story, too. Yeah, it's a special time. We see people who come across the continent sometimes to celebrate together. And it's also a time to like, for at least the families that I'm part of, to like pick up bonds that don't always get to be there. Like I'm thinking of sibling bonds. Mm -hmm. Like one of my um, husband's aunts often comes to celebrate and uh, my mother-in-law is her only sister. And so they have a very special relationship and they get to be, you know, Janet and Marcia in a way that they probably don't get to be any other time of the year. Um, and, you know, with my sister too, just the idea that you can slip back into a, a family relationship like that is not something to be chucked out easily and I, you know, and I want to say that with a recognition that not everyone has close or healthy family relationships and that some families are very abusive. And, you know, if you know it's harming you, you shouldn't have to grin and bear it. And that's something I've noticed about myself, that if I'm not honest with myself about what my needs are, then I am not capable of holding that space and that patience for other people. Because let's face it, right? Like, sometimes you're the person that everyone is holding space for and gripping the sides of their chair on and being like, ah, please stop whatever you're doing. Right? So as I've become an adult, I've tried to sort of separate out what what is selfish and what your human needs are, and that it's okay to have them. And that sometimes you just have to take care of it yourself. And sometimes the braver thing is to say to someone trusted, I kind of actually need this. Can you help me get that so that I can hold that space so that I can go through your ridiculous family Christmas tradition that I hate or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And you, you spoke beautifully to what my other, my other comment was going to be is that you've talked a lot about the idea of holding space and that holidays are a time where we uniquely practice holding space for each other and holding space potentially for people that we don't always agree with. And, and I think it's very easy to not have to do that a lot of the time in our everyday life because we can choose who we bring in and out and, and the holidays kind of puts us into contact, like we've said before, with people that you don't have that familiarity with or that you're trying to become familiar with again because you're meeting, you know, this annual time of year. So I, I'm just curious, Luke or Dave, do you have anything more you want to say on on sort of that idea of holding space or being patient as we're in relationship with each other? I think in general in my life, I'm trying to practice the idea that waiting a little bit longer than I think is necessary is probably a better thing for me. <laughs> you know, if I'm frustrated with anything, it could be a work situation, it could be a person, it could just be 
myself. Like I'm, I'm a person who is very critical of myself. And I, if anything, if 2020 has taught me anything, it's that sometimes it's okay to wait a little bit longer. Mm. And I think what you said about bonds is so key. And then this year, they all feel so tenuous. Like we're all stretched to the max. Like we're, we're like a skipping rope or some kind of exercise band that's just stretched to the max. And if you just pull a little bit more, it'll snap. And so all I can think about is like, you know what, I just want to let that band loose a little bit. And if showing patience or grace or mercy or love or kindness does that, if it's going to help someone else, I feel like I will have done a good job this holiday season just to let it go. You know, so now there's that frozen thing again. Too much Disney in this house. <laughs> no, I think that was, that's a really, really good metaphor, a really beautiful way to put it. Dave, did you have anything you want to add in? I, I think what Kate was saying around holding space and also knowing yourself and your own needs and, and, and where you were at is something that I have has really resonated with me over the last few years and around this time of year because I think I think so often when you don't do that is when small things turn into much bigger things and it makes that patience much harder to actually have and then I think you can inadvertently be creating a bit more of an issue out of something that actually needs to be there and so I think you know with Luke with you know your your philosophy of of holding that elastic there is like that comes from the ability to be aware of of where you are and what you need and how you are mindfully kind of showing up in that moment and i think that you know for me that has been probably the one of the biggest things that i've tried to change in my approach to the holidays over the last several years from perhaps where i was five six seven years ago where i think it was a little bit of a more stressful time not actually because things are fundamentally different today than they were then it's because i've been able to learn learn that for myself to be able to show up in the way that I want to enjoy this season and therefore other people can enjoy the season that they need to be having wherever they are as well. And and that kind of patience comes two ways, but it very much can start with where you are and how you're showing up. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, each of you know that we talk a lot about spiritual practices on this podcast because I believe that it's important that we look at practically how we live out the things that we believe and hope for in our, our daily lives, that that shows up in a practical way too. So you've kind of all brought us there, each one of you in your own way, but in looking at how you want to show up in the holiday season, how you take care of yourself, how you make sure that you're able to get through both of the ups and the downs, are there practices that are important to you? Are there things that you do every holiday season or maybe things that you're planning to do this year that you're looking to have support you through this season? And why don't we start with you, Dave? Well, you know, it, it it's interesting that the thing that comes to my mind most for that does go back to something that I loved about the holiday season from the time that I was a really small child, which is actually listening to Christmas music. And I think of, for me, that is like some of the traditional Christmas carols, often without even lyrics, just music. Late at night with, whether it's the Christmas tree or other light decorations, but you have that kind of bright, joyful light 
listening to music in the background and really taking the time to reflect on what the season means to me and doing that regularly, like almost every night for mid-December through the holidays. And I think that that's a, it's a practice that I loved as a child because I think it makes, no matter where I am in life regardless, something to come back and center to as this time of year is special. It's different. It's different than the rest of the year. And making that conscious choice to every day reflect in, in that significance for me. And, I'm, you know, that might take the shape of a, kind of what now might be a little bit of a meditation, but also might just, just be sitting and taking something in and really creating the time to do that, to be in the season and to enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. Like coming back to the the why is it important to you and and what do you get from this and being being present with the deeper purpose that this has for you and and continually coming back to that. Yeah. 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 How about uh you Luke, anything that you you do or anything that you're planning to do <laughs> this year? Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to roll with my technological recommendation. <laughs> Gather.town is like the coolest thing I've ever met. So I had to attend a conference a couple of weeks ago for I I work at a summer camp. And so there's a camp conference. And of course, summer camp conferences are so much fun. Like you put a bunch of like camp directors in the room who've had to follow the rules all year. And all we want to do is be ridiculous and go eat wings in the middle of the night. But gather.town is where they hosted this conference. And it's like Pokemon where you wander around the screen. But when you get within a certain proximity of someone else, like a little video screen of you and them pops up and you can talk like you've just run into them. So if I was running into Kate, It'd be like I ran into Kate on the street and I'd be like, Kate, and she'd be like, Luke. And then we'd have this conversation. And then when she walks away from me, my video screen would go away from her. So anyways, I, of course, being the person that I am, I'm like, how can I use this really cool feature in my life? And so now we're going to be trying, I'm actually this evening going to be hosting a family gather on gather.town because we're trying to figure out how we run these extended family visits. Mm. And I'm really excited. It's like free up to 25 people. And so I was like, oh, this is totally like, I don't have any friends over 25. This is like, I'm like, that's my max capacity for humanity anyways. But I, I really do as much as I feel myself turning more and more into an introvert. I do love the beauty of family time at the holiday season at Christmas. And so it's been a real sorrow for me to potentially lose out on that big time. So that's, that is something I'm really looking forward to this year is to try this out and see if we're able to still generate those connections with people in a new and exciting way. Because right now, Zoom is really boring. Like nobody wants to be on Zoom anymore. But this is fun. Yeah, I think that what you're articulating is so special. Those moments that could happen over like, you know, when you're both putting dishes away with somebody, or, you know, when you are shoveling snow out on the walk together and, and finding ways to, to reconnect that way. I think that that's, that's really, those casual conversations can be so rich. So that's really special. And how about you, Kate, any practices that help to support you through the holiday season or anything that you're starting this year? I think for me, it boils down to human connection, spirituality, and cultural practice. Those are the three prongs. So, you know, I've started already kind of emailing extended family that I don't see all the time. You know, my my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and my niece. And one of, I was thinking about 
you know, getting in touch with some of my uncles. When I got an email from an uncle who is a former member of the military, and so he has this kind of like abrupt style, like, hello, how are you? How is it going? <laughs> it's so lovely. So, you know, sending Christmas cards to friends and family uh, and, and making sure that those points of contact are still touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of spirituality and really thinking of my Advent wreath, it's something I've always practiced to be honest, when I worked a job where I, I had to stay late at night, I, I would light it at my breakfast time and just have that peaceful time. And now I kind of do both. Sometimes I light it in the morning, I light it at night. I, I just like having that. And that kind of leads me also to the cultural practice piece. Advent wreaths used to be called Catherine wheels. And even that is a Christianization <laughs> because traditionally, like the Germanic pagans just brought in these big wheels of evergreens and they put bazillions of candles on them and they would just light them all because it was dark. And that's where it comes from. So for me, this is a beautiful synthesis of an ancient cultural practice that is all also part of a faith tradition. Um, I had a huge cry two Sundays ago, and I really did not understand what was wrong. And Ben was like, what is happening? And I I don't know, I was fussing about food. I mean, I started this podcast talking about food, and here we are again. Um, And he was like, it's fine, we'll buy some cookies. And I was like, no, 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 it's not right. And in that moment of catharsis, I was able to extract out that cultural practice is really important to me. And I think even in the context, like from my perspective, Canada is like a settler colonial society and that the state has an invested interest in making us all Canadian, whatever that means. And that when we are Canadian, we do not have to respect the differences between us that are very important and and have shaped our history and so for me like knowing who i am and practicing with my advent wheel and making my christmas cake and being able to name and say this is from my ancestors who are european settlers who are from england and scotland and germany and wherever they're from for me that is a very important part of grounding myself in who i am which then allows me to see where i live and how i live more clearly and i think that for me is like a key part of this whole season is how can we be good to each other if we don't take the time to know ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think what you've also articulated is really bringing your whole self. Like you talk about these three different prongs that make up more of a complete experience of the season. You know, it's bringing all the parts of you to it and letting that be present and and honoring that too. And I think I think that's really beautiful too. So, I know that I didn't send you this question, but I'm going to put it out there just because I feel like you'll all be game for it and kind of reflects where I think we've kind of come to in the conversation. If you could offer anyone who's listening or maybe the world a wish or a prayer or a blessing for this upcoming holiday season that maybe very different than what people hoped or planned it to be. What would you, what would you like to, to put out into the world for this season? I just feel compelled to really offer um, gratefulness and humbleness and love for the awful world moment that every human is experiencing right now. In one of my jobs, I'm talking to people in various locations across Canada, and 
everyone is having different experiences of this pandemic. You know, on my Facebook feed, someone I knew 10 years ago has contracted COVID-19 and she is, you know, blogging about that and what it's like to be a parent of small children in, in Texas with COVID-19. And I always offer my prayers as I see that go across my Facebook feed. And that's what I want to offer is just the huge compassion that I hope we can hold for each other as we navigate this this season. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I think very similarly, I, I think that we've all, you know, the world has gone through so much in this past several months that if there was ever a time to do what we've been talking about throughout this last hour or so around love and joy and patience and really make this season about those things. And whatever that looks like for you in your own traditions and your own experience of the holidays, whether they're religiously based or culturally based or somewhere in between or a mixer of, of both, to really do what you can to to focus on the love and the joy because we certainly have had a challenging time up to this. And if there was ever a time to be able to just be in that joyful presence, I think now is now is it. And maybe that means you're a little bit more patient. Maybe you're a little bit more forgiving. Maybe you're a little bit more willing to reach out and create those connections than in any other year. And and maybe that's also something to, to learn going forward, not just in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think for me, I would offer a prayer for humility. I talked about it a little bit earlier. There's a real sense right now that we need to, uh, even as I say that, I realize for some people there's not, but my, my general sense is there's a, a desire to project that I'm okay. Mm. You know, I'm okay. And it's really okay to not be okay right now. Like if there was ever a year that you got to say, I'm not okay, this is it. But I, I think about some of the news articles I read, uh, and this is global, this is not Canadian or American, this is globally, where people are putting themselves ahead of others. If we all act a little bit more humble... I think things will go a little bit better. And I'm grateful to 95% of the world for the choices they've made. And it's been really hard. You know, people we haven't been able to say goodbye to or people that we haven't been able to say hello to. I've experienced both of those in my family. But it requires a certain amount of humility to say this is bigger than just me. And so my prayer for this Advent season, it's a, Kate, I echo what you said earlier. It's a season of expectation and a season of hope. It's not the tinsel and it's not the glitz and the glam yet, but there's this expectation, this hope. And my expectation and hope is that if we can be a little bit more humble and put others first, things will start to turn around. I would love that to be, if there's a prayer that's answered this holiday season, I would love that to be it because I would love to go into 2021 treating it a little differently than 2020. I want to look back on this year, 25, 30 years from now and be like, oh, remember all the 2020 memes? You know, they were great. Because that year was terrible, but it got better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much to all of you for sharing your hearts and your memories and your ideas with this. And of course, you know, however you celebrate, I am wishing you the very happiest of holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Marin. This has been delightful.
and you can find the spiritual practices Kate, Luke, and Dave shared from their previous episodes, as well as many others to support you through this holiday season in our spiritual practice library at keepingfaithpod.com library. This season of Keeping Faith was produced by Ron Kelly and me, Marin Smith. And the incredibly talented Ron Kelly composes all our extraordinary music too. If this episode connected with you, subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. You can catch up on all our previous episodes over the holidays and share your thoughts with us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping Faith Pod or send us an email at hello at keepingfaithpod.com. We really do love hearing from you. We'll be back in the new year with more info on what's coming up next for Keeping Faith. But until then, as always, I'll be holding you in hope and faith. I'm Marin Smith, wishing you a very happy holiday season.